Welcome to week 24 of podcasting where mundane meets mastery, coming to you from the northern hemisphere of the beautiful continent of Europe. I am your host, Beryl Aseno Nyamwange. Today, it's dandelions conquering every space. If you have seen them, there are these pretty yellow little flowers that grow freely in spring here. When the sun is up, they open their petals. When the sun is down, they close their petals and go to sleep. Now, as a poet, I'm finding a lot of inspiration for poetry and for short quotes. While walking through the fields, we have seen them pierce through where grass has conquered. Some are growing on walls. On seeing this, I say to Joe, the grace of God is like dandelions in spring, everywhere. I hope that in your quitting journey, you find intimacy, that close connection that the dandelions seem to have with the soft grass and the hard and thick walls. Hey. Come to the arena where the little things are the big things, where everyday living is the best life, where everyday has something worth highlighting, where boredom is taken to the boardroom of the mind and comes out bearing rich thoughts that build hard walls. Here we speak potential, inspiration, edification, eat the pie, taste the sweet and savory in the world of words and growth. Here we are becoming. Proverbs 16.23 says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Quitting as intimate love. What is intimacy? Intimacy is close familiarity or friendship. When you are intimate with someone, you find it easy to confide in that person. Trust has been built and the fear of condemnation has been lowered greatly. Intimacy knows you are welcome into that person's space and your thoughts are welcome into their mind. In fact, some authors have classified intimacy into four types. Emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. I do believe all are important depending on who you are relating with. One writer said, so much of intimacy involves shedding your ideas about who someone is or should be and honoring their reality. Intimacy also means being able to share a whole range of thoughts, feelings, and experiences that we have as human beings. This can be found between spouses, parents, and children. A daughter and her mother, a son and his father, and all kinds of relationships. Why would quitting involve intimacy? I want to tell you a story of the rich father who took his son for a walk to show him how poor people live. The father is wealthy and believing his son will learn from the trip, he takes the little guy to see how poor people live. The question I want to ask before that questions actually, how do you define yourself? What is poverty? How do we live in and through our quitting season? The dad thinks the encounter will motivate his son to work hard so that he never will live like these people. What his son learns instead blows the father away. Sometimes it's those who are poor in material possessions that have the most to give. Mother Teresa once said, we think sometimes that poverty is only being hungry naked and homeless, the poverty of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for is the greatest poverty. We must start in our own homes to remedy this kind of poverty. Now listen with me. One day, a very wealthy father took his son on a trip to the country for the sole purpose of showing his son how it was to be poor. They spent a few days and nights on the farm of what would be considered a very poor family. After they returned from the trip, the father asked his son how he liked the trip. It was great, dad, the son replied. Did you see how poor people can be? The father asked. Oh, yeah, said the son. So what did you learn from the trip? 
asked the father. The son answered, I saw that we have one dog and they had four. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden and they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns in our garden and they have the stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and they have fields that go beyond our sight. We have servants who serve us, but they serve others. We buy our food. They grow their food. We have walls around our property to protect us. They have friends to protect them. The boy's father was speechless. Then his son added, It showed me just how poor we really are. Too many times we forget what we have and concentrate on what we don't have. What is one person's worthless object is another person's prized possession. It is all based on one's perspective. Sometimes it takes the perspective of a child to remind us what's important. Intimacy. I want to redefine it. Intimacy is connecting with people who will not always agree with you, but will teach you some of life's most precious lessons. Intimacy is walking with people who will walk with you on a similar path, yet allow you to see things from a different perspective. Intimacy is seeing your blessings in new ways you never saw them before. Intimacy is listening to the unexpected counsel and piece of advice that goes contrary to your well-stipulated thoughts. Intimacy is coming back to the home of your thoughts and realizing some of the furniture in your mind needs literal rearranging. Intimacy is walking in the dark and seeing stars and not fear because you know the hand that is holding yours out in the open space of vulnerability. Intimacy is looking beyond your front yard of circumstances to the horizons of the blessings that await you. Intimacy is knowing that floods of situations can be turned into creeks of providence to guide your path. Intimacy is taking into cognizance that face that thought the dogs will bark and then hears the birds that won't stop singing. Intimacy is beginning to cultivate beyond your piece of land, full of plants to the rows of priorities so that you can harvest your crop in due season. And intimacy is not being flooded with a lot of acquaintances who have little value surrounding you, but actually having meaningful friends who contribute to your life's purposes. In our quoting, this kind of intimacy is crucial for our personal growth and multiplication of opportunities. So what steps can we take to get to this kind of intimacy that helps us to grow exponentially? Number one, Active communication, just like this boy and his father. As human beings, we engage in talk very often with family and friends, and oftentimes even strangers. Unlike other creatures, we are blessed with the gift of speech, both verbal and nonverbal. We are also able to write down things that others can easily comprehend, even in our absence. Why am I using the word active here? In communication, because it's very probable that we can be talking with each other, but no communication is taking place, no feedback is being received, no questions are being asked. In our quoting, active communication remains critical. Let me give you an example. You're looking for a job. You handed your CV to company X and for several months you have not heard anything from them. Well, 
The scenario has changed a bit with the world of automated messages and instant responding. However, in the not-so-recent past, a job seeker had the burden of checking in and out regarding an application made. That is being active. Active communication instills hope in us. Yes, we may not get the result we want, but the satisfaction of seeking to find out is a great result in itself. In our quitting, oh, maybe that relationship has gone sour and the silent treatment does not taste very delicious in our pot of suspicion. We do well to communicate effectively, but we don't talk anymore. I hear you murmuring at the impossibility and telling me, you don't know her, you don't know him, I have tried. Well, trying is a keeping job. We don't lose it. We do well to remember Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, each person. Quitting is the moment of sobriety, not ugliness in our responses to others. I know how it feels when someone asks you a question to whose answer you don't have, and maybe they keep asking you, and even you begin to mock your <laughs> response concerning them. Do we meet, do we meet to turn, mean to turn ugly? Not necessary. Only if we're already ugly on the inside will it be evident in our words. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. In your quitting, communicate, but let that communication remain active with feedback, with appropriate questions, with the necessary feedback and opportune silence. Yes, there will be a time to be quiet. And it's also necessary. Intimacy calls for seasons of silence when you just listen to God without interrupting his plans. When you and your loved ones are together, no word spoken, but communication of soul to soul is taking place. Intimacy demands activity and communication. God's gift to us is a great place to begin. Set guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 141 verse 3. David seemed to realize that one of life's greatest temptation channels are found right in our face, at the door of our lips. This door can open with edification or cursing. It can swing with influence for good or be deadly with the poison to the ear of another. The mouth can be a risky business when engaged inappropriately. It houses that little tongue that is not so little but we have the necessary warning to fence us from the compound of sinfulness. Ephesians 5, 4 says, Let there be no filthiness of talk or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Let us remember again that the power of life and death are in the tongue, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Therefore we shall bring life to others, by building, not tearing, encouraging, not despairing, guiding, not misleading, warning, not compromising, and praying, not gossiping. Intimate love, in the midst of tough quitting, will do that which pleases the Father, the creator of the human body and the human heart, and will seek to communicate effectively as a builder and not a destroyer of relationships. Active communication. Secondly, Anticipate correction. Now, this is the hard one for most of us. 
because it touches the core of our carnal nature. It rubs us the wrong way. It reminds us of our own vulnerability and how helpless we are. It makes us feel and look small. Correction. It rearranges us in a way we're not comfortable with. Imagine in your heart of hearts how the rich father of the boy in our story felt when the boy challenged him with answers he, the father, did not expect. Imagine how he felt when his young son's perspective seemed to outweigh his wisdom of many years that so seemed unmatched until. Imagine that night when he went to bed and most likely pondered over his son's great mind and imagination and the reality of what the young lad was saying. So contrary to the father's temporary shallow thoughts, I would say, well, don't we all make mistakes? I've made some and I have been wronged too. There are times when my mind was whacked and my perceptions were misplaced until I was reminded that I am wrong. In our quoting, anticipation is preparation. Preparation to handle shame. Preparation to answer correctly. Preparation to seek help in our vulnerability. Preparation for guidance that we may not stay where we are, but move onto the path of growth. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. Proverbs 12, 1. He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul. But he that heareth reproof gets understanding. Proverbs 15, 31. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs 6, 23. If correction is a way of life, then we need to learn how to live anticipating that we will make a mistake and that we will need help out of it. Intimacy demands that we are good listeners to the ones who truly care about our well-being. And that brings me to the last point. Accept counsel. After anticipating correction and actively communicating, we need to accept counsel and act on it. It is one thing to anticipate correction, for we are aware of our vulnerabilities, but correction alone may not always suffice. Correction tends to point to the wrong done without offering the right way out. It has its place for sure and serves its purpose, but we need to come out of our mess. We need to come out of our mess, and that needs to happen during our quitting. I'm still thinking of that rich dad who most likely sat in his bed at night thinking, what? How's my mind working? My son sees things differently. And after brushing his hair with his hand, he rolls himself in and sighs, well, <sighs> and sleep deems the light in his mind, ignited by his little intelligent boy, only to face the realities upon wakefulness again the next morning. Counsel. It comes in different forms. It may vary. The way counsel is given to a child may not be the same way it is given to an adult. And think about it. The parent who loves the child, who has an intimate connection with his or her child, may want to straighten that twig of character before it's too late. God does the same with us as our master parent. Because of his desire for intimacy with us, he goes out of the way to sacrifice the life of his dear son that our lives may be lived in complete contentment. That when he corrects us, because he knows sin has marred us, we will not murmur, but be his marked children assigned for good works. So yes, 
cancel can be painful and uncomfortable because cancel does not cancel the wrong we have done. It brings it out in the open as a wound and lays out all the dross that needs to be removed so that none of the filth remains under the flesh of our understanding or else we will stink. Despite the discomfort, let us accept counsel and in so doing, take in all the sweet fragrance that genuine change and transformation can bring, especially when our eyes are opened in our quaiting to see that maybe we're making a mistake in coining that plan B. Maybe we're pursuing a grand error in chasing after that relationship. And maybe the business deal is so good we're blinded and the loss we're about to be hit with will shock us. I still love the gentle counsel that came through the little boy's mouth to his father. He said it without saying, Dad, have the proper perspective. Life is not about things, but about loving people. Dad, wake up. It is not what we can afford. It is what we can't afford. And what we have for free, such as the stars and the moon that make us rich. Dad, did you notice that a swimming pool is not sufficient to make me happy. Streams of water don't need chlorine to clean them. The fresh waters allow for many crops to grow by the wayside and the birds to sing close by. Dad, a picture with a dog doesn't make me cool. Dad, being served doesn't make me superior. Service to others is supernatural. Dad, it's one thing to buy food from a big mall. And it's another to grow food in your background, your backyard. The biggest mall in the world is the vast earth we have. Dad, the TV programs, some are so unreal, but look at them. With the whole horizon in front of them and how God paints the skies and sends them fresh water. Dad, dad, taps in the house, plumbing, creeks that are fresh and flowing through the year. Freshness, dad, that's what they have. Dad. Walls around our property, fear and insecurity. They live so freely, no boundaries, just stretches of friendship and laughter and food and joy and rest, service to one another. And the rest without fear of theft. Because dad, what they have, everyone who wants can have for free. Dad, no one is going to steal from them. Everything they have, no one is going to steal from them. It's all free for anyone who wishes to have it. You see the change in perspective here. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs twelve fifteen. This boy makes me wonder, how poor am I? Well... These free riches are ours because of the intimate love of the Father, the Dad who created us in his image and likeness. And maybe that explains why every day we have this urge to leave the comforts of our home and go out into the fields where Dad has everything so rich, so pure, and so free. And maybe that's why in the darkness of the night, dad switches off all the lights so that we can remain still, 
contemplative for a few minutes and then into unconsciousness. Because in that stillness, in that stillness we find rest. Then we can rise up and go back to the fields where dad has all the riches for us. And maybe that's why during this COVID time, it's been difficult for many of us to stay indoors because dad has intimate love that he shows through the petals, through the soil, through the dandelions and the cowslips and the flowers. And our hearts can't stay to look at the walls and the pictures that we have hanged on them, however beautiful they are. And so COVID becomes a challenge because dad is beckoning us to go outside and meet him so he can show us what true intimacy really means. Talking with him in that environment of bliss and quiet and freshness, hearing the sounds of creeks, not the breaking news. Hearing the songs of the birds, not earphones plugged in our ears. Dad, we are rich in our quaiting because dad says, come out, let's take a walk and I will show you how to live as a rich person in your quaiting. Sun, moon and stars and their courses above, I made this for you. Dad is calling today and he's saying, my son, my daughter, in your quaiting, you are still very, very rich. Actively communicate. Anticipate correction. Do not be afraid. And finally, accept counsel. Come out to the riches I have given you. There, actively communicate with me. I will give you counsel. Accept it. And once you do, I expect you with the correction I give you to realize how rich you are. Dad, when we have questions, you walk with us and give us yourself as the answer. Then you attend to our temporal needs because they are important to you. You care about the details, the food we eat, the seas of circumstances we swim across, the creeks and the voices we hear while in silence. Dad, you care about the stars that glitter in our darkness. Dad, the sun that shines in our day. You care about the programs we have planned and the interruptions we face. And Dad, you're quite delighted when we turn to you for intervention. In our quaiting as intimate love, you are our first point of intimacy as we actively communicate, anticipate correction, accept your counsel because a mundane life is filled with suspicion but a life of mastery, dad, anticipation of what you're going to do with us in our quitting. Until next Wednesday, goodbye.